0: Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Can we just bow our heads a second? I just want us to pray before we get into the Word. Father God, we just come before you right now. We thank you for the Word that has already come. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you that the ground shook and the tombstone was rolled away, rolled away, And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us hope and eternal hope, that you conquered death and you've claimed the victory and given us an eternal life with you. Thank you. Thank you. Five days ago, I was sitting in the waiting room with a friend at an oncology hospital, a cancer hospital in Oxfordshire. The room was full of people of all ages waiting for their name to be called in to see the many specialists working there that day. I saw young people in their early twenties and others who were probably in their eighties or nineties. And it struck me that all of them were there for the same reason. They had all been given a diagnosis that could shorten their life here on this earth. All would have had tests to look at the cancer Numerous tests, followed by numerous investigations, and then the anxious minutes, days, weeks, hours before this trip today. Some will have cried. Some will have been frightened. Some would not have been sleeping for days leading up to their appointment with the doctor. Some would also be asking, why me? Some were going to be given good news. That their cancer had been cured or it had gone into remission. Whereas for others, it was to have their worst suspicions confirmed that the cancer had spread and that nothing more could be done. It was a room that had the extremes of emotions fear, optimism, sadness, and joy. Jesus was surrounded by people with similar emotions. Wherever he went, and even where he had never been, people knew all about him. When I read the gospel encounters, which is what we're talking about in the se- the theme and the series at the moment, when I read the gospel count- encounters in the Bible, I'm equally drawn to the extremes of emotion, the fear, the optimism the sadness and the joy. Yet Jesus seemed to understand and be able to offset this whole range of emotions. The encounters were always challenging to the person involved and the outcomes were inevitably one in which they were positioned for an eternal consequence. Some put their faith in Jesus to be healed and were healed, which is great. But the eternal consequence is that for those who put their faith in Jesus as the Son of God, they were eternally saved. However, for others, they were given the challenge to give up everything they owned to follow Jesus and to put their trust and their faith in him. But some refused and chose not to put their faith and their trust in him. They also have to endure the eternal consequence because of their decision you see whether we accept Jesus as the son of God or refuse to accept Jesus as the son of God we position ourselves for eternal consequence the counterbalance you'd be pleased to hear to the emotions is often seen in the encounters of Jesus where the unwell are restored to health the lame cripple walks The blind person sees, the deaf person hears, the hungry get fed, the tormented are set free, those mourning find joy, and those lost become found. So what about my own gospel encounters? If God showed me the book of Richard's life right now, what would it look like? What would yours look like? Would it be thick and full of the wonderful encounters of salvation and healing that you have personally been a part of? Right now, if I'm gauging it on those emotions, it's probably going to be a thin book. However, if it contained all of the encounters of seed scattering, practical offerings of love... And support and empathic conversations, words shared over coffee, and time invested, then it might be a much thicker book. You see, we'd all like the short paragraphs, wouldn't we, of laying our hands on people, laying our hands on the sick and seeing them well, bumping into a random stranger in the street who you immediately share the gospel with, and the immediately come to know Christ as their Lord and Saviour. But in reality, we seldom see that, do we? So, personally, I dedicate my life to investing in people's lives. As an elder, I can do that for the family of believers within this church. And I love being a shepherd to this church, to this flock of people. But who is shepherding the lost right now? And that's my question for us all today. Who is shepherding the lost? It's not a rhetorical question. It's a question which has to be answered. It's a question which must be answered if we're to try and understand our purpose here on this earth. Okay, let's open a scripture. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 15. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version this morning. So Luke 15, chapter chapter 15, verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and sinners, including non-observant Jews, were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began muttering and complaining, saying, This man accepts and welcomes sinners and eats with them. Note he spent time with others. So he told them this parable, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost, searching until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he gets home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. So back to my question, who is shepherding the lost? You've got to hear me right when we look at this question. We, if you know Jesus, already have eternal hope. We have found eternal life but what about those who haven't what about those who don't know jesus last week we heard a word from william about the compassion of jesus living within us stirring us to have a care and a compassion for the lost a compassion to care about a person's destiny ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says He, God, has planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. So, whether a person acknowledges it or not is purely academic. Even atheists have a belief that there is no God, that there is no heaven that there is no hell, that's what they believe. So we have to be confident, confident that every person does have a sense of destiny because it was planted there by the creator himself. Some people just refuse to think about it. So back to the waiting room in the cancer hospital. Usually the most important question a patient is going to ask their doctor is what? How long have I got, Doctor? How long have I got? They're thinking about that destiny. They're reminded of the time span of life itself. We all go through life thinking that we're going to live a long life. And why shouldn't we? That does happen for some. But for others, life can be unexpectedly short. Or even unexpectedly shortened. And that was the news being given to some of the people in that clinic today. And unfortunately, the friend I was with also. You see, life on this earth is very short. In fact, in comparison to eternity, if I took a line around the whole world and met it again, and then put a little full stop sign on that whole line, that is still incomparable to our lifespan on this earth in comparison to to eternity. It's less than the blink of an eye, which is why I want to maximise what I do here whilst I'm on it. I want to write the chapters in the book of Richard that God reads about my life, and I want it to bring him pleasure. Surely that's important for all of us. To write our own chapters in that book of Richard or whoever. So today I want us to look at how we can write those chapters together. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or 100, we all have opportunities to share the nature and goodness and good news of Jesus to everybody that we meet. I just want, to, I just want us to watch a short video. thought-provoking, isn't it? Some of you may have seen that before. I still find myself welling up every time I see it. Because we have a purpose. God has given us a purpose to see people come into freedom. To see people to come into knowledge of the love of him. It's a video about discipleship, but equally, I believe the themes of love and liberty and leading and launching apply to us as being shepherds to the lost you see you must be a disciple in order to make or shepherd a disciple so let's look at some of these themes in more detail and see how we might apply and express them to our encounters with the lost okay are you with me it's quite a reflective word this morning isn't it so first of all love John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So love is important. I love my friends. I love my neighbours. But how do I express that? Around the word love are just some of the ways that I try to express love to those people who don't yet know God. And remember, that's one of the reasons we're here, is to demonstrate these four things that I'm going to talk about to others. I make myself available. I invest time in them, in friends and neighbours. I go to places with them that, Actually, I don't want to to go personally, but I go anyway. I listen. I take an interest in them and not me. I'm consistent. I'm genuine. I'm considerate. I remember things they've told me and I try to make them valued. I'm doing that with many people at the moment because I don't want them to perish. Because God is love. He has given me a love and a compassion for the lost. Annie and I, in particular, recently, have been uh, making an effort to get to know um, some of our neighbours, and in particular, one of our neighbours and his wife. And, you know, it's actually opened up the opportunity for us to meet lots of people. We're seeing our time invested in this couple and our time doing the things that we wouldn't normally do, meeting other people, as a massive opportunity to share the love and the good news of Christ. We pray for opportunities to demonstrate that to them more and more. It's a challenge because it's not church. Church is very important, by the way. But like I said this morning, we already have that hope. Others don't. Our friends that we're getting to know already know that we're born-again believers and, you know, it hasn't affected our relationship one bit other than they may swear less around us. And I think that's really important is that sometimes we need to be bold in just saying who we are, what defines us. Not that this is what I do, but this is who I am. The next thing, liberty. Again... I would like my own life to demonstrate and be a vessel of liberty and freedom to people. Freedom would mean something different to a whole host of different people. For some, it could mean financial freedom, no longer living with debt. And for others, it could be freedom from imprisonment against your will. I was watching a a clip of an interview of a lady who had been released and liberated from Auschwitz 75 years ago. And as you may know, 2020 represents the 75th year of the liberation of Auschwitz. The article was about a female prisoner who met one of the first US soldiers to get to Auschwitz during this liberation. She spoke of showing the man where some of the other prisoners were, when the man came to her and one of the most important things or influential things that this man did was to open the door for her to allow her to go through the door so that he could follow to see these other people she said this because of that kind gesture of just opening a door just because of opening a door for a lady that was the moment of restoration of humanity, of humaneness, of dignity, and of freedom. He not only opened the door for me, but he opened the door to my life and my future. A simple act. Of everything we sp- to speak of, the six years of... Well, you couldn't even imagine what they had to go through. But of everything that she could have spoken of, it was the one courteous act of one fellow human to another. We've all heard the phrase, our actions speak louder than words. And in the interview, as I said, she didn't speak of the actual liberation from a camp of despair. She spoke of the simple act of kindness that brought her a different kind of freedom. Even greater for us, as we've already sang this morning... We have the Spirit of Christ living in us. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. One of the simplest things we can do for others is to show simple acts of kindness. Another is to offer to pray for them. I'm usually very surprised by the reaction I get when I ask if I can pray for somebody. Because it's usually, yes please. When I do ask... And we need to ask more. People are often more than willing to say, yes, please. Yes, please come alongside me. Yes, please pray for me in that situation. And none of these even know the Lord. We need to be bold in asking people if we can pray for them. And we need to be bold in praying for people who need freedom. That's a demonstrable act of a shepherd. To love and to bring liberty. So, what about the next one? To lead. Well, Ephesians 4, verse 1 says, I appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is, to live a life that exhibits godly character and mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God. For your salvation, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I try to live a life of righteousness. I'm not self righteous, but I try to live a life of righteousness, being pure and clean and whole. I don't speak ill of my wife, I don't speak ill of my children, I don't swear. I don't get drunk. People see something different about me and it opens up conversations. And I'm sure that's not just me. I'm sure we can all say that. But when I became a Christian 22 years ago now, I immediately, because I had encountered God, I immediately started to live the way God called me to be. I'm sure it's hard for you to believe, but even now, I'm a work in progress. My friends saw a massive change in me, and in some respects, you know, I lost friends when I became a Christian. But my consistency has undoubtedly spoken something of the nature of God to them. God has made such a dramatic difference in my life. I encountered God, and I am unwavering from that. And, you know, my unsaved parents have seen that also. When God spoke to us seven years ago about moving from Cardiff to Leicester, my parents were really concerned, but we thought you had a good job, we thought you had a great house, we thought you had a great church that you belonged to, we do, (laughs) but God is telling us to move, and so we moved. Not based upon what we could see, but based upon what God had said to us. Six months after we moved, and this is a very short story, believe me. Six months after we moved, my dad actually said to me, things always seem to work out for you, don't they? (laughs) Yes, dad, they do. My parents have seen the goodness of God consistently in my life, in my marriage, and in my children's life they see that I lead by not by what I can see but by trusting in the one who leads me that's faith so what I mean by lead is be a person that Ephesians 4 talks about be that person of trusting in the one who leads you be that one who steps out in faith even when everything around you doesn't seem like it's the right thing And then look at yourself. Look at yourself. The the purity, the cleanliness, the holiness. And then ask yourself if you can be gentle with one another. It's worth thinking about, isn't it? So we lead by being good examples to others. The next one. Launch. Well, what does that mean? Launching in the video meant discipling members of the congregation into going out there into the world and seeing the lost. But that's not what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about shepherding the lost. So how can we express launching in in the sense of answering that question? Well, I can only think about it. I was watching a video even yesterday about cars. I love cars. I love watching cars about drag racing and this model versus that model. And all of these models, I can see people smiling, all of these models, if you've ever seen really posh, plush cars, have something called a launch control. Have you heard of that? Yeah. So this is it. I don't own a fast car, I don't, and I've never driven a top-of-the-range sports car like a Ferrari or a Maserati or any of those things. But I am aware that some high-performance cars have this launch function. What's the launch function designed to do? It's designed to give us maximum acceleration out of a car when it's starting from zero. Its function is to get the best out of the engine. And its function is to get the best out of the traction of the wheels on the surface. Its function is to get the best acceleration out of the car. And you know, we all have the ability to accelerate people's lives. Let me explain what I mean by that. Whether a person is a born-again believer or not, launching people, to me, is getting alongside them, building them up in their self-worth, building them up in who they are, encouraging them, and bringing joy. And you know, I'm sure we all do that, but we all have the opportunities to come alongside people that we work with. We all have the opportunity to be able to come alongside people And help them to start to think differently about themselves. This is where we not only see believers reaching out into the communities. But this is where we can give people self-worth. And help them to believe the best of themselves. Through our own positive confession and our own words to them. We have the ability to bring a message of hope. It starts with this so that we can then bring them to the throne of Jesus, who wants them to be saved. We can launch people into a new life. A few years ago, I was a GP trainer and involved in supervising a number of junior doctors through the whole of their GP training years. And I remember one GP trainee who lacked confidence, she lacked self-esteem, she lacked self-worth, and it affected her in a consultation and it affected her out of a consultation so I invested time building her up slowly she began to believe in herself it took time but I didn't do it because it was my job to do it I wanted to demonstrate the magnificence of God's love by believing in her and showing her something from the very nature of God She didn't think I was just a nice person. She knew I was a born-again Christian. And I want people to link those two things. I'm not just doing it because I have to do it. I'm doing it because I'm expressing something of the nature of God within me. Did I pray for her for salvation? No. Did I see her enter a new life with God? No. But I have planted a seed, and I believe I've added to that book of Richard's life, which God will read. So if we love Christ, if we love like Christ did, if we are bold in praying for freedom and liberty, if we lead by example and encourage those who are downtrodden, have we done all we can do? I love my friend. I have prayed for his healing. And over the last 20 years, he is aware of my character. That's all great, but is it enough? I could keep sharing a beer with my neighbor, hearing about his challenges, but is that enough? It's all good, and it's likely to open a lot of doors into building new relationships with people. And building relationships is the key message to what I've been talking about today. It sometimes takes time and investment to develop a relationship. But it's once we have developed that relationship, we have the ability to open a door to eternity. Building the relationship itself is not enough. It isn't enough unless they know the good news of hope, freedom, and eternal salvation. In truth, it isn't enough, unless they repent and ask Jesus into their life. You see, being healed, or being well in your body, or your mind, is not enough. It's recognizing that your eternal destiny is not a good one. And then trusting in the man to bridge the gap between an eternal destiny to hell and an eternal destiny to heaven. Strong words, aren't they? But that's what it's about. We can build relationships, but is it enough? I sat in the car park of Sainsbury's in Kidlington in Oxford with my friend. And I shared the entire gospel of Jesus with him. Who we once were, who we are now, how Jesus came to restore our relationship to God. He didn't make a decision, but he has heard the good news. And that is my prompting and my challenge to you, is to share the good news. Building relationships are not bad things but we need to share the good news. In Matthew 28, we read, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. This is what the Amplified says. Help the people to learn of me. Believe in me and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's when we've done enough. So the answer to the question, who is shepherding the lost, is therefore simple. It's us. God has mandated us. God has commissioned us to come alongside people and to help the people to learn of me. If you've ever been in a plane, you will be aware of the extreme expanse of land which is full of scattered towns and scattered villages. And recently I was very fortunate to be flying over the villages and the towns of Leicestershire. I was so moved. Not because of the beauty of the earth. But because I could see the magnitude of the lost. Who need a shepherd. I was moved to compassion that Will spoke of last week. Who is shepherding the lost? I believe shepherding the lost is what defines us. I like to think that I am a shepherd in my village, a signpost of destiny and an encourager of hope, outward-looking and not inward-looking. We are not to be wrapped up in our own little world but we need to see the big world. So together we can be the shepherds to the lost. So let's step out in our calling to reach the lost. We are made for mission. Let's pray for shepherding encounters this this week. Let's pray for our own gospel encounters this week. I'd like us just to end by praying. Would you please just bow your head for a minute? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us and allowing us to be part of the mandate and the great commission. Help us to be shepherds to the lost. Help us to find that love and compassion for the lost. Help us to be bold in praying for people. Help us to lead pure and holy lives and lead by example. Help us to be encouragers of the downhearted and the downtrodden. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your son, that we can reflect to others, just because He is living inside of us. Thank you, God, that you have made each of us for mission. Help us to be bold in extending the kingdom of God by being bold in speaking to people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.